I'm like giving you the whole long story here, but um, we love it. Yeah, uh, we're we're eating it up. Also, yeah. so it's great. Like like they're shorter versions of television. This is like your one. This is like your one man show. Like you're doing it right now in front of us. Like okay, yeah, like, yeah, like in 20 years, you're gonna tell this whole thing like by yourself on Broadway. And this. Oh, gosh. Yeah, in a 10 week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, limited run. At the Lyceum with, Theater. With a special guest producer, just like Gutenberg. <laughs> Starting Liminal Miranda. How about that? Yeah. 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 There we go. Perfect. Yeah. We've manifested it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Hello, and welcome to episode 103 of Theater Nerds. I'm your host, Rachel Jones. And I'm your other host, Taylor Reed. Theater Nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater, where we will explore all aspects of theater, musicals, and everything in between. This podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history, but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us, or if you've only seen your Winter Formals production of How to Dance in Ohio Junior, you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. In case you guys didn't know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. That's right. And you can also find us now on YouTube. So subscribe to our channel and leave us a star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To find out more about the Theater Nerd cult, check us out at theaternerdpod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and threads at Theater Nerd Pod and on Facebook at the Theater Nerd Podcast. In today's episode, we're interviewing producer Jonathan Hogue. All right, Rachel, here we are. You know, every week we're doing it. We're doing it. We're out here. I've, yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, this is really just the, uh, how many chairs does Taylor have in his house? Yeah, and this is a different, different location. How many, how I'm many, in the same how place. Different places? Yeah, how many Maybe different places map can Taylor out Taylor's record? house? It's true. It's true. You'll get the blueprint readings and <laughs> you'll be able to see yeah also i'm playing with i think this is going to be generally the same place where i'll record but i'm playing i'm trying to decide do we like the window should i pull the curtains we'll see who knows time will tell <laughs> time will tell and um yeah light that's will why you tell. have to come that's back really week over week yeah that's right Week over week, yes. Um, <laughs> how, Rachel? How are you doing? Let's let's set it up for everyone. How am I doing? Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. I realize, you know, we're 103. This is episode Such 103. Such a weird question. And I'm like, I was like, why, and why I'm are like, you asking me how I'm, I'm like, doing? What? How you doing, like Joey? <laughs> yeah. I realize 103, I'm like, do I ever ask Rachel how she's doing in the beginning of the episode? I guess I don't. Maybe I should. Do I ask you? I don't ask no, you. No, no. <laughs> but we just this get into so our topic. Like, Damn. This is so silly. It's a podcast. That's what we're supposed to do. We just get right into yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, well, let's get right into it because the first, Extra of course, on the Patreon. Extra on the Patreon that will happen hopefully soon. 
Um, Q1, Q1. Today, yeah. Well, last week we talked about the producers. So much fun. That episode was really fun. I had a lot of fun talking about that. Mm-hmm. Crazy musical. Um, that I was I was singing Springtime for Hitler to my baby today, and my wife was like, "Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe we don't sing this song." I know it was stuck in my head, yeah, and I, I know. Had it, and we were like, "We yeah. can't sing this out loud." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, regular people will not understand. No. Um, but so in in all of that, we we actually banked this recording a while ago. Um, and we were as we talked about last week, we were gonna. Re- uh, release this a little bit later but on the heels of how to dance in ohio the show closing like next week right isn't it soon it's very it's soon like, i think they have like yeah oh i think they have less than 12 performances left yeah it's insane um very bittersweet Lin-Man, speaking of lin-manuel miranda last week uh, or not last week in this episode you guys will hear we talk about lin-manuel miranda he, ju- yeah, he just went and saw how to dance in ohio 11th. i know yeah. i know yeah. yeah and it was february so sweet 11th. and he, wow. took his, wow. he took his son so. yes february 11th so, so on the heels of that we have i know sebastian and what's his other he has another son and i can't remember his name i really should have done my research today um the co-producer of how to dance in ohio is on our podcast day which is kind of cra- isn't that crazy That's that we have a crazy. producer of a broadway show on our episode it's on our little podcast it's our insane. little cute little podcast so cute i was dreaming the other day uh maybe i'll keep this in who knows i was dreaming the other day that uh we'll have seth radesky this soon on our oh podcast so soon seth you said the gershwin yes. And now Seth Rudesky, these are high goals. We need like oh, a building yeah. block. Gershwin is, yeah, you know, Seth Rudesky, if you want to come on Theater Nerds, please come on and get I, I You know who I want to come on the podcast? I want the person who 100% works for Playbill, who listens to our podcast, to come on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's. Sure. I know you're yeah. out there. I know you are. The content yeah. just gets closer yeah. and closer. We know that no one at Broadway.com listens to us, but Playbill, we see you, <laughs> and and we we raise you a glass. Um, and we just want to hang out. Yeah, so we just want yeah we just want to hang, you know. Um, yeah, so we're gonna get into that interview. It's super fun. We had such it was so lovely. Jonathan gave us a lot of time, and uh, yeah, you guys should check out. Uh, yeah all his work and also how to dance in Ohio. You can listen mm-hmm. to the recording yeah. right after you listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. How to dance in Ohio. Stranger sings. Um, he talks about what he's going to be doing in the future, which are some very exciting things, mm-hmm. fun things. Um, but of course, before we get to our interview, we have to do our weekly current. I always want to say modern, but my brain, my brain says modern, but my mouth, need to say current and then that doesn't like match up anyway our current theater broadway news segment what's the buzz what's the buzz tell me what's happening 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 what's the buzz tell me what tell me what is happening rachel just like the song says tell me what's well the first the first bit of news is so sad a somber i know i decided to put this at the beginning so we could just kind of so this over the last week two legends have passed away yeah 
Um, yeah. Hinton, Battle, and Cheetah Rivera have passed away. So, and so just so sad. Mm-hmm. And we maybe we'll link in the show notes to one of their the best obituary we we found or whatever for both of them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, just like a really yeah. heavy or week for the Broadway community. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't. I'm yeah, yeah really sad. I uh, Hinton I think passed away first, and then Cheetah Rivera later in the week. So mm-hmm. Cheetah Rivera feels like because we have later on down on this list about a theater being renamed Cheetah Rivera feels like that there will be a theater named after like the cheetah rivera theater i don't know why I hope it just so. feels like that would be so great yeah rename yeah, the broadway like, theater to the cheetah rivera theater i think you should rename where, wherever chicago is and put name that mm. the cheetah rivera theater. right she was in chicago wasn't she maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm thinking of um i don't think cheetah rivera but maybe I mean, she was obviously in West Side Story, so that's West, why I was thinking about the Story. Broadway theater. Right, right, right. Who am Guys I and Dolls. Well, um, Liza Minnelli. I guess I'm thinking of Liza Minnelli. I was like, she's been in Guys and Dolls. Does that help you? Hmm. That's kind of the same. I think I'm thinking of Liza. Maybe the Liza Minnelli theater. But, I mean, she was, yes, uh, starring as Velma op- uh, opposite Kelly in the original Chicago. You're right. Yes, that's what I thought. Um. Yeah, it's so sad. Please go, you know, watch things. As we said, we'll link some stuff um, honoring their legacy. Um, this is super exciting. We talked about Gutenberg f- playing their final performance last week. It recouped its investment, which is super exciting. I, I mean, Not the last shocking, week of of their shows, they made. I mean, they were making lots of money. Um, and the last who was oh no so Alex Newell was in the last weekend. Yes. Who was the last guest? I can't remember. Do you remember who the last know. producer was? No. This is gonna let me look. It was someone I was like, oh really? That's it. That's it. <laughs> was it their understudy? It was their understudies, no. right? But that wasn't it. Oh oh, that's right. Never mind. Not that's it. It was Audra. It was Audra McDonald. What's the last one? Yeah. That's not a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> no, it is. I was. Ju- I. I think I was thinking of. Um. There's someone else that I was like. That's interesting. That's an interesting choice. But um. They also announced. A ca- yeah. Rachel Brosnahan. Yeah. Some of the guests. I would. I feel like I would be like. Does everyone know who this is? <laughs> yes. Like the answer audience? is yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they also announced a cast recording that they, I did they record that like literally the day after? It looks like they did, but <laughs> the day after they finished. Um, I feel like they were exciting. Before. We or talked about it a little bit last week, but I was like, where's the cast recording? So maybe I manifested this, but you, it was all you. They also listened to this podcast. It's true. Hey, Josh Gad, come on the show and Andrew. Um, <laughs> But if we if we can get Josh, we can get Andrew. That's all I know. I don't know. I think it's the other way around. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, my car's name is Olaf, so I feel like we have to get Josh Gad on the show. Um, tell me what else we got for the buzz. What what's what's the buzz? Ramin Karamalu, Brandon Uranowitz, Judy Kahn, and more for Titanic at Encores. That's crazy. 
I saw this announcement so and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Good cast. This confirmed because Rachel, because we're going to talk about Tick Tick Boom at the Kennedy Center. Rachel um, guessed, not guessed, I guess, but is also manifesting that Tick Tick Boom, the Kennedy Center, is going to go to Broadway. But I think this confirms that it's not because Brandon is doing Titanic. So at least not this season. But Titanic is such an interesting show. I just think that it's going to make a transfer. I yeah, think I watched it will be 2024, 2025 season. Mm-hmm. I watched an interview with Neil Patrick Harris talking about it, and he was, like, so serious. And I was like, are you, like, serious Weird. director now? <laughs> so serious director, so Neil Patrick Harris. True. And PH, Doogie Hazer himself. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. The university I went to is actually doing Titanic right now as well. Um, so I'm seeing lots of titanic musical news everywhere on my on my feeds so that's fun yeah too much well we also got casting news oh mm-hmm. go ahead more casting you do it well i really we, there's so much casting going on mary kate spencer alexandra socha and more are going to be joining wicked on broadway which is very exciting wicked i just learned that the stage is raked and many performers get hurt during that show and that the wicked producers apparently won't pay for it to be redone because it costs quote unquote too much money to, to uh, redo the stage. Was it raked kind of before money. the show before wicked or did they do it specifically so. for wicked? Okay. Huh. No, I think so. And then Noah J. Ricketts, Samantha Polly, Eric Anderson, and more are joining Great Gatsby on Broadway. That's crazy. Samantha Polly, especially. Yeah, good for her. Getting that work. Six made her into a household name, and now she just is keep working. It's interesting that I think, I guess, only two of the original queens from her and the, there was another one that it, Adriana Hicks was in. Some like it hot. Was she in some like it hot or someone else? No, um, I knew was wasn't the main girl from some like it hot in six. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I actually don't know that. Let me look, look it up right now. Some While you like it up, hot. can I say one yeah. of the next buzz? You sure can. Yeah, Adriana can I? Hicks. I was right. Look at that. Oh, good for you. Who played um, Catherine of Aragon in the original Broadway six production? Yeah. Can I keep going with um, casting and then we can come back to the other? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week we got a f- the first look of the bows and listens to if you're like me on my TikTok of John Locke, mm-hmm. John Locke, Joe Locke, John, John Locke. Locke. What is this lost? Is this lost? We're talking about right John now. Locke, like, like it's like the <laughs> like it's the Enlightenment period. Oh my gosh, that's I'm so crazy! Crying. I just think you well, know, he's Locke also a in Locke. In Locke. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost in this girl coming. Twenty twenty four, twenty twenty. Lost was not the thing for me. I never watched Lost. Well, that's our next podcast then, Rachel. Lost Lost Boys. Lost Boys and Girls. And we're going to watch Lost together. Lost Boys of Lost. Trademark anyway, it. Joe. Not Rachel's John, Lost. That's what we're going to call Joe it. Joe <laughs> and Sweeney Todd. And Joe, really, yeah. from, most Joe known most recently from Heartstopper, 
I mean, people mm-hmm. are like, wow, he can sing. Yeah, he can sing. Yeah, guys, come on, get with the program. But yeah, it's he's playing Tobias, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to hear. I have not listened. I need to listen to the audio of him. Yeah. So is he do. singing Nothing's Gonna Harm You? Because that's my favorite, one it's of my favorite so songs good. on the show. So. It's so good. Yeah. Well, let well, Roundabout Theater is officially renaming okay. to the Todd Haynes Theater. I guess I think we talked about this a long time ago. It renamed. Like it yes, got it announced. is officially renamed. Yeah. Yeah. Now it yes. has been renamed. Officially like, that's it has on the, the sign. And everything. Yes. Yes. Which I marquee is spelled so weirdly. I, I had to Google marquee for something this week and I was like what, how do you spell this word? There's two E's. Anyway, sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> um, happy trails. That's what I'm going um, mm. to say. To Curly Victorious and Harmony. Speaking of mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda making yeah, his that's... rounds for Broadway shows this week, he <laughs> went to see yeah, Did he go to Harmony ever? I don't know if he did. I don't know. Well, it's for know, the second I know time. He, he saw Curly, Curly Victorious, Victorious like, before. Yeah, of course. Um, but now, he, now he's back yeah. again, supporting the one, right. the only. Right. Leslie Odom Jr. Well, and they, as of recording this, they actually closed today. Yesterday. Um, and oh, yesterday. Yeah, they. Well, as of as of releasing. Oh, this, as of this yesterday. releasing, yeah. it, it's yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, Clearly, I think John Locke the- no, is in a Sweeney Todd, so <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, unwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Pearly Victorious, the prequel to <laughs> Victorious, the the TV show. Um, (laughs) Rachel's just now getting the victorious (laughs) joke. I'm sorry. Um, the Uh, pearly victorious didn't it it extended? So this is like its final. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I hope it stays through Tony season because I think wouldn't that be awesome if Leslie won a best leading actor in a musical for Hamilton and best leading actor in a play for this? That would be amazing. It would be awesome. I mean, it's him. He's selling the show. He's right on the poster there. So, of course, he is yeah. the show. He himself is the show. I know. Tell the people yeah. what else we learned this week, where this person might also. Yeah, this be is the very. Show. This is very interesting. <laughs> um, Sarah Morales and Sarah Rule are. Is this what you're talking about? Are adapting yes. Meg Wolitzer's okay. novel? Is it a book or what is it? I'm sorry, I didn't right? look it's this a, up. I should have. It's an. It's a book. Yeah. Okay, it is a book. Uh, into a musical, both Sarah, double Sarah team. They should get a Sarah director and make it Sarah cubed, um, and call themselves like the Sarahs presenting. The Sarahs presents the interesting. Um, I'm happy Sarah Brales is doing another piece of theater. That's all. That's all. Yes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm not sure I like this book. Have you read the book? You haven't read the book. You didn't know if no, it was I've a book or not. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's, right. Uh, that's how what's, I feel, but reading? good for... Have you read the book? Yeah. That's, that, that was me making noises about oh. the book. What is the book. What is it about? Well, I don't really remember all that much, besides that I didn't like mm-hmm. the main character. But it's... Mm-hmm. It's um, it's about, it's set in like the late seventies or the mid seventies, I believe, and about a friendship mm-hmm. between some teenage people. Right, that's Love that. all I remember. That's great. It sounds interesting. 
It's over we'll like a course of a summer, I think. I I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember it. I did. I I remember having to like get through the book, you know. But mm, other yeah. people I know really liked it, so I don't know. It came out in mm. 2014, so. Okay. But I will well, say I did not like Waitress the movie, so. I have not watched the Waitress to, movie. I don't have to like the source yeah. material in order to like what ends up happening. True. Yeah. Sarah Bareilles can pretty much write anything, so she can do yeah, whatever she I'm wants. A, I'm, I'm, when I'm when we say Lala Stan, what fan bland? She's a stan. Yeah. I'm a stan mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Yes, we're a Bareilles stan. Um, and then picks and last last but not least, pictures and video. We got video of the Kennedy Center's Tick Boom, as we talked about, starring Brandon Uranowitz and Gray Henson. Gray Henson weirdly looking like 10 years older than he actually is i, I was know, like what but it's kind of like, cool so... i kind of like it yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. and then denise I... benton being i'm amazing. really gonna be surprised if this doesn't transfer like really surprised well, if this Steve. doesn't make it the 24 i mean 25 what 24 25 season am i mm-hmm. okay I will say it's just because I'm so used to the tick tick boom movie and Andrew Garfield like it's a little different. It's a little different. And just like, obviously, I mean, I love Brandon, so he's incredible. But, man, that Andrew Garfield yeah, movie, like, different. wrecked me. It's so good. It's so good. Um, But the saging's really cool. I think there's, I, Neil Patrick Harris, maybe I'll link this video in the show notes. It's a very serious Neil Patrick Harris interview. Yeah. Uh, talking about how there's like a ton of projections in the show and he wanted to like modernize it a little bit and update it which i think is pretty cool um Mm -hmm. and he talked about they added like four ensemble parts and like um like redid the score so that they added more vocal um, parts which i think is really cool so that's cool and he which i didn't know he played jonathan larson in tick tick boom in london is what he said so i was like what this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, Jonah and the whale. Just kidding. Uh, at Roundabout Theater, which I guess is that is that now Todd Haynes? Haynes? Yeah, the Todd Haynes. Yeah. With Roundabout Theater Company at the Todd Haynes Theater. Yeah. Okay. Lots of names. So many names. Oh, we got through it. Oh, my goodness. A, we got it took it. us a long time, but you made it. Right. Well, that was the buzz. Yeah. And now buzz. we're going to talk to Jonathan about Same. his experience at, you know in life and then being a co-producer mm-hmm. on How to Dance in Ohio and it was such a fun mm-hmm. interview and we hope that you enjoy it yeah yes please enjoy Jonathan Hogue we'll see you on the other side welcome Jonathan Hogue to the show we are so excited to have you on the show, on the podcast. We, we really appreciate you taking out the time to do this. So welcome to Theater Nerds. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Writer, um, director. I mean, I guess you, have you directed a little bit? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, it's on my bio. writer, composer, producer. I mean, you're like a multi, you're like basically Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're like, you're like <laughs> multifaceted. <laughs> Nothing would be a compliment than to put me yeah. in so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day, I think the very first podcast we recorded, I was like, Lynn, our close personal friend that we'll have on the show one day. So, <laughs> um, 
it'll happen. Manifest. You gotta manifest. You gotta manifest yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jonathan and I, I've socially known each other for a long time. I feel like, um, for a long time. But I was happy uh, enough to have him on my other podcast, which you guys can check out if you want. Talking all about Stranger Things, the musical, which was which we're gonna get into a little bit too, but. Um, of course, this this episode's all about producing, and you have an MFA. You finished the MFA, right, in producing? I am like this close. I'm actually I I have I'm I'm like out of the program, and I'm just working on my thesis that I have to turn in okay. in like a couple of weeks. So I'm actually after this wow. call, jump back into my second draft of the thesis. So it's uh, mm. I feel like I'm done. I work full time in the industry, and I don't go to class right. anymore. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, we're happy to be a nice break from your thesis, really. Really. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome is really what we're trying to say. Um, <laughs> um, but I think first, but as we kind of jump in and talk about producing and what maybe people know or don't know about it and kind of how you got into it, but I want to kind of start. So the way I met you and in, was introduced to you is we went to college to the same university and I saw you acting and i believe you majored in in performing is that correct i did yeah 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 and i saw you at, i mean famously as Lori in little women i feel like famously wow <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i love that show so much and i feel like it's so underrated that musical um yeah. but i want to know like your journey with it because starting with performing and then but also compose i mean you you have these, like we said, like you you wear many hats, but I wonder now with producing, like where what has that journey been like for you? Totally. Yeah. It, so it's funny because when I uh, when I got to my like junior, senior year of, of, of college, I started discovering. Um, well, I started discovering that I really had an interest in like in the Broadway industry. I was like very attentive to what was opening and like looking at the new plays that were coming through and the new musicals and like, you know, like looking at marketing that was coming in and thinking, oh, that show looks good based on the poster design or, you know, oh, that show is not going to do well based on X, Y, Z, you know. And and I also found myself, I was taking playwriting classes for the first time and realizing how much I was really interested in just different, different ways of storytelling and like looking at a lot of the contemporary plays, like, um, you know, Annie Baker was like a playwright that kind of sort of opened me up to this really hyper naturalism kind of style that I had never really read before. And um, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins had this really kind of interesting, dark, subversive take on like political, cultural themes and stuff like that. So I, I, I started realizing I was like really interested in in a lot of this stuff as, as you know, but, uh, on top of acting, I was also, you know, really interested in writing. And then I was also really interested in kind of the business management side of things. Um, and so when I graduated in 2015, I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I, I had this internship for this ballet school as an arts admin intern. It was a summer internship that turned into a full year internship. And, um, you know, I wasn't really interested in the dance world by any means, but I thought, you know what, if I can work in the Broadway industry, like as my day job, you know, like just being in these meetings, learn, you know, going into marketing meetings and discussing strategy and, and all of these things. I was just so interested in all of that stuff that I thought Mm -hmm. if I could just find some sort of day job in that realm, like I'll be happy. Um, You know, I loved acting, but I kind of, once you get out of academia, you start realizing that acting is not so much like 
the fun classes and you know <laughs> the the season of shows where you're guaranteed to be in one or two of them because of how few mm-hmm. people are and suddenly your entire job as an actor is auditioning and right. i mm. was like i don't think i am built for that you know mm-hmm. um, and I what is the percentage it's like what like eight percent of people actually make it or something like <laughs> something yeah i mean it, it, and, and i have friends who are still doing it and i am like just so happy for them because they're finding mm-hmm. success and you know it's just such a hustle and you have to find your brand and who you are and all right. the connections and stuff so i'm like so supportive of my acting friends who are like still in it um and it was just for me i was like i can't i'm i, I don't know I, I i say that i'm not competitive i really just hate competition <laughs> i hate being in situations where i know who i'm competing with like i'd rather just be like you know doing my own my own like charting mm-hmm. my own course you know mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was just like, I moved to New York and I was like, I would still love to act. I just don't, I can't go to these open calls. I went to like SCTC, the the like regional auditions and didn't do super well there. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. This is so like mm-hmm. difficult. Anyway, so I did, I did the, the arts admin thing with this, this, this um, ballet school and then eventually kind of left there and was looking at other jobs kind of in the industry and wasn't really getting anywhere with theater jobs. And so I was kind of working, I would work for like a live events company for a little bit. I was working like, you know, um, like catering events and different things. And, um, but I joined, I applied for this internship with this producing office, this Broadway producer who had, this is in like 2018, they had started this new program for, um, people who wanted to really like young, young professionals that want to become Broadway producers. And they said, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I applied for this job and they said, well, you didn't get the job, but we had this new program. If you want to join it, we were, I was like, sure. You know, <laughs> and so I was going to these meetings um, where the, the lead producer um, was talk. We were doing, they, they were producing uh, once in this Island at the time, the, the revival oh, awesome. which was, you know, mm-hmm. like the most incredible production. Right. Yeah. And so Absolutely. we're in this meeting and he's like giving us all this behind the scenes and the show and all of the marketing. Is decisions. this Ken Davenport? It wasn't Ken, but okay. I, I've, I'm friends with Ken now. So that was, kind yeah. of thing. it was, um, um, Cause he produced that, didn't he? Yeah. Ken was one yeah. of the producers mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I was in this group and it was, you know, they were, they were actually bringing on, they had a couple of slots for young producers to come on as actual producers of the show uh, to raise wow. money. And, stuff. and I sort of missed the window on that one. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just kind of observe for now. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'd have these meetings as a group and he would tell us all the behind the scenes of the show and all the different things that they're doing for different campaigns and everything. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really even know what a producer was at the time. Mm-hmm. I think I had a general idea that producers like have a lot of money and they just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, oversee things. I, I don't really, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, but I realized that what was cool about being a producer is that you do have like the administrative, like business side but you do have a creative side too. And that was really cool to me because I was like, I don't want to give up the, the creative parts of myself to work in this industry, but I also want to have something that feels a little bit more stable and, you know, like organizational managerial and not just kind of like creating things, you know, and not in them going into the void. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so that was kind of my first introduction to producing. And then at the same time I was writing this, this musical, um, Stranger Things, which is a parody musical of Stranger Things, the TV show, um, which if you haven't watched it on Netflix, it's great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but I um, I started writing that in like 2018, and it was funny because I really didn't think that I was a writer. Like when I was working on it, I just I had some friends who had produced their own little parody musical of of the Friends the TV show, mm-hmm. and they did it at 54 mm-hmm. Below, and I was sort of kind of I think I was a director early in that process, and anyway, so they they just one day decided they wanted to write a friend's parody and they did it and they put it up at 54 below. And I was kind of like, Oh my gosh, you can do that. You know, I thought you (laughs) you know, famous to go to 54 below. And it turns out you just have to ask. (laughs) And so I, um, and so when stranger things came out and I was such a huge fan of that show, I kept thinking like, Oh gosh, like this show feels like it wants to have a parody because there's all these parodies, Mm. other, you know, famous movies and TV shows. And what was fun about Stranger Things, too, is that it's like the whole show is riffing off of like 80s tropes and characters and and themes and ideas and everything. And so it it was fun to imagine it as a musical because it's like, well, then you can also pull from all these classic musicals Um, and you have the 80s music and the sound of it. And and it's already like dramatic, but a little bit campy at the same time. So you can (laughs) like, you know, like bring that out i mean like the character of joyce that winona Ryder plays is already so yeah. heightened that to like make her this musical theater diva just was like yeah this actually like makes sense for her you know <laughs> so anyway so i had all these ideas to write a musical but i don't play piano and i don't really like i can read sheet music from doing musical theater i like played trumpet in middle school but like i can't play piano i can't really like write music necessarily like I don't have any sort of training in like composition or orchestrations or anything like that but I what I did have was you know a whole uh background or or lifetime of working in musical theater and loving musical theater and knowing what I like for musicals versus what I don't like and so that kind of helped me inform how I created a lot of these songs. And so honestly, like as I was writing this show, it was literally like six to eight months of just me doing my life, doing my thing and occasionally getting bursts of inf- inspiration where I would, you know, sing a melody line into my iPhone and just like little piecemeal things. And then eventually it would become a whole song. And it was just, it was sort of like, I'm like scared to do it again. Cause it felt so organic <laughs> and like, I don't think I ever actually like sat down to write anything. Wow. Like, I feel like I it literally was just like I'd be driving and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, that's that song. Got it. You know, like I just kind of like knew the wow. framework of what the show was. And then like we'll get little, you know, bursts of inspiration, inspiration here. Now, you know, was that divine inspiration? Possibly. Um, <laughs> I, I like to think it was. But um, anyway, but I that and I also uh, had a long history of loving uh, parody, uh, you know, grew mm-hmm. up in Monty Python, grew up in Saturday Night Live. All mm-hmm. the Star Kid musicals were like huge chokehold uh, on me yeah. in high school. We talked about those too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love them. Star Kid like changed my life. Like very Potter mm-hmm. musical. Um, yes. Ironically, Jamie so Lynn Beatty from a uh, very Potter musical actually ended up being in Stranger Things. So now we're good friends, and that's that's been a fun full circle. Oh, wow. But that's amazing. Um, so great. So great. She's wonderful. But um, but yeah, so I had I, it was like I never considered myself a writer because I couldn't really write like music. But I had this script. I had these songs and I brought it to some friends. And I said, hey, can we like do a little reading of this in our house? And and we did. And everyone thought it was great. And so I went to 54 Below and said, hey, can I this is like April. And I said, hey, can I do a concert of this in October for Halloween? And of course, you know, they said yes. And I was like, great. 
so then I had six months to figure out how to get the songs from my iPhone to like instruments, <laughs> which was by far the worst part of the whole process. Uh, mm. Like really, it was like I went through like five different orchestrators, like asking people like wow. I had no idea what I was doing. I literally the first person I went to, I like sat at a piano and thought like I could just sing it to him and he would like play it on piano and it we lasted about 15 minutes and then he's like I have to go <laughs> I, was oh, no. I was like what, oh, what no. to do so I, I like taught myself how to like use Sibelius which is the like music notation software there's like finale and Sibelius or no mm -hmm. finale um yeah finale anyway um there's different notation softwares mm -hmm. and so I taught myself to like at least punch in what the notes are um even though the rhythms were completely wrong and the keys were wrong. I didn't know anything that I was doing, but I was like, if I can at least get something on paper so that someone can come along and like fix it, maybe that'll be something. So I did that and that took me like two months and it was horrible. It was so bad. Um, and then I like went through three or four people who were like trying to do it and then they'd quit because they get too tired. You know, it was just, it was oh my goodness. Um, and then finally found an orchestrator who like had all this time. He had like worked on Broadway and all these things. And he like totally got what I was going for. And he's been my collaborator ever since he's the music director. He's the orchestrator. He's just like the most wonderful person ever. Uh, Michael Cache is his name. And, um, and yes, yeah, so we did 54 below and we, um, I'm like giving you the whole long story here, but, um, we love it. Yeah, uh, we're we're eating it up. Also, yeah. so it's great. Like, like they're, they're shorter versions of television. This is like your one. This is like your one man show. Like you're doing it right now in front of us. Like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, like in 20 years, you're gonna tell this whole thing like by yourself on Broadway. And this. Oh, gosh. Yeah, in a 10 week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, limited run. At the Lyceum with, Theater. With a special guest producer, just like Gutenberg. <laughs> Starting Liminal Miranda. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. We've manifested it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um. Anyway, so we did 54 Below in October of 2018, and there was part of me that was like, in the in my like heart of hearts was like, wouldn't it be cool if a Broadway producer saw this and like, took it, you know, took it off Broadway, like, because there were like the Office parody off Broadway, there yeah. had been the mm -hmm. parody, there had been you know Silence of the Lambs, Hamilton too, Spamilton, right? Spamilton yeah. exactly, yeah. And, and Puffs was like the Harry Potter parody. So I'm like, mm -hmm. there has to be a Stranger Things parody off Broadway. So when we did the 54 Below concert, it was like a 75 minute version of the show with like costumes and like little bits of like scene work in between. But there was, you know, a number of things that that weren't in it yet. And I was like, and it was, you know, a bunch of my friends were in it and like we had no money and we just like put it up for one night at like 1130, which really was midnight because <laughs> like the show before it ran over and we got out at like 2 a.m. It was crazy. But um, so we did it and the audience loved it and they had a great time. And um at the end of the show, this producer came up to me and said, hey, this is really something and you should do something with this and gave me her card. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this, you know, this is my dream. I wanted a producer to come along and do this. So I I emailed with her, you know, a couple of days later and was like, thanks for coming, you know, all these things. And long story short, she wasn't going to produce it, but she was very aware that this was something that like should exist. And so she basically said, you know, let me connect you with. A general, a couple general manager op options. Let me connect you with uh, some entertainment attorney options. And I'm like, what is a general manager? What is? <laughs> You're like, what does any of this mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not getting sued. Why do I need an attorney? That's crazy. Uh -huh. You yeah. know, and, and so you're like, Netflix is coming after me. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, I don't have money for that. What am I doing? Yeah. And so 
Um, so 54 Below, a couple days later, said, um, hey, let's, you know, like, if you guys want to do another one, um, like, you sold out this first one, like, you want to come back in January and do it again? Uh, and uh, and we were like, yeah, of course, of course. And so me and my friends who were sort of, like, producing this thing at the beginning um, were like, hey, let's, like, use the second one as a way to actually, like, sort of take this a little bit more seriously. and Maybe this mm-hmm. becomes an off-Broadway show. And so I met with those general manager options that she mentioned for me, um, which again, didn't know what general managers were until I started taking interviews. And I realized that general managers are really um, like the business center of your show. So they're the ones who build your budgets. They're the ones who do all the contracting. They do like the theater owner relationship. Um, Really, they're like the producer's right-hand man for like the business side of running the show. Um, And not super involved in the creative, but sometimes they are depending on you know, like budget constraints, like, oh, this is too expensive. Let's find another solution here. You know, that kind of thing. Um, And then the attorney part of this is less to do with getting sued and more to do with making sure that all your contracts are like legally binding, the right language, Mm. Um, especially when you're working with investors. There's a lot of like kind of responsibilities in terms of making sure that proper state filings happen and Mm, stuff like that. So Anyway, I found general manager and attorney that I liked. We went into that second 54 Below show, thought it was going to go somewhere, and um, didn't really have any like big producers come. But the general manager said, hey, let's do an industry reading. And so we did the industry reading in March of 2019. Um, Stranger Things 3 was coming out in June of that year. And we thought, let's get this thing off Broadway at the same time. It's going to hit huge. You know, everyone's going to love it, whatever. And so we said, let's make this industry reading in 2019 in March, like be where we get investors and make this thing happen. So we like had a theater we liked. We had budgets we were building. We had an investor that came through because we did a Kickstarter for the reading. And some kids, someone, some, you know, this this teenager saw our 54 Below show and loved it so much and told his parents and his parents happened to be millionaires. And whoa, like crazy, crazy. crazy. OK, this is happening. Well, long story short, yeah. Nate Maserato's parents, like. (laughs) I know, right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. But, um, (laughs) so, it didn't happen in 2019, obviously. Uh, uh, We thought we were going to make the raise, and then it just couldn't come together in time, and a bunch of things happened. And so, basically, the show kind of felt like it, like, tanked. You know, we, like, had all this momentum, Mm -hmm. and then it was done. And the whole time, I'm feeling like, you know, as the writer, like, I just want somebody to come in and produce this for me. Like, you know, I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm. You know, we've been self-producing this thing thus far. Um, but, you know, like, I don't have the ability to get this thing to actually happen. So anyway, the pandemic happens. Um, my uh, my director, Nick Flato, who had come on board, um, sort of became like my producing partner. Um because he just like also sort of had business savvy, but also understood the creative of the show. And uh, we had applied for a bunch of different residencies and contests and, you know, festivals and stuff over the pandemic. And finally, uh, in like 2021, we got accepted by the Players Theater, which is this off-Broadway theater in New York that does, has like a residency program where they let shows like new musicals um, have like a five week slot where they can put the show up and you sort of produce it yourself. Like you pay all the bills and stuff, but they give you like free space and they give you a lot of free Mm -hmm. stuff in theater. And, um, 
And so we said yes to that. We ended up being the first new musical to open in New York City from the pandemic, which was kind of accidentally insane. Like we literally opened in August 2021 and Broadway didn't even come back till September. So it was sort of a weird time to be opening because like Omicron was hitting at the same time. And so it was like, everything's back. Never mind, you know. Which Omicron kind of sounds like a Stranger Things alien, (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) Very, yeah, for real. It's very upside down. Yes, that's true. That's super hard. But yeah, anyway, so we did that run, um, and that was our first time doing it, like, full staging, full costumes, full set, everything, and it was really, like, just incredible, and we all called it our off-Broadway debut, because it technically was, and, you know, we submitted ourselves for a bunch of Broadway World Awards, and then won seven of them, including Best Musical, and we recorded a cast album at the same time, and then, you know, our hope had always been we wanted to bring it to Times Square, um, because that's where all the parodies play, and we wanted to have it run Mm. definitely. But we were like, again, it was one of those things where the Players Theater run we did for like absolutely nothing. Like we were doing everything like we had no real producers on it. It was just us. You know, I'm like on the phone with the attorney trying to get the the, the one investor or the two investors we had to like figure out how their investments come through. Because I didn't know anything about anything, you know, like my director and I were running the bar every night. Like we were oh it, just like the most like chaotic summer. Oh and it was so goodness. fun, but it was like horror. Like we're running all our social media ourselves. Like anyway, it was it was great, but it was like this isn't the fullest production that we could do. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to put it to Times Square, but we didn't really have a general manager anymore because we had kind of left them since the pandemic. And so we were like left without anything to do. And we were talking about maybe should we take it on the road and do a tour? But like, again, we don't have any money. <laughs> like we didn't really know what we were doing. So um, anyway, uh, around January of 2019, no, 2022, uh, we started getting messages after we'd won the Broadway World Awards about um, from like the London from from London and from Australia saying from two different mm-hmm. theaters in those spaces saying, hey, we'd love to do Stranger Things. We heard it's great. We saw your social media. You won all these awards like we want to do it in our theaters. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> We're this tiny little show that like we did with no money. And there's people around the world that are finding us and, and you know, wanting to do it because we had done our cast album, too. So that was the other mm-hmm. thing that was out and people could like actually hear like that they liked the show. And so we were like, well, yeah, let's do it. And so we worked out a deal for them to do it. And the London production was opening in October of 2022. The Australian production was opening in November of 22. And my director, Nick and I were like, this is so weird. We'd be, we'd be doing a London production and an Australian production and not do a New York production. Because the other thing was that Stranger Things season four was now happening that same Mm -hmm. time as well. And so we were Mm -hmm. like, all this momentum like we have to do a new york production and so we got a new general manager we found this theater we love that's this in the round space that basically it's an off-broadway theater that had converted into the round in the round mm-hmm. and we never thought of the show in the round but we sort of looked at it and we thought this is kind of cool maybe this would work in the round you know and we they you know we we got the general manager and and got the theater and um we were trying to raise money for it again it was just us two we didn't really know what we were doing and it was like you know, 10, 10 times the budget now because this is like a full production, but we just like jumped into it and we're like, let's try to find this money. And, you know, had a bunch of problems trying to raise money. We had our big investor we thought was going to come in that, you know, things kind of didn't pan out. And um, we ended up bringing on two other producers that actually had seen the, the, the last production and fallen in love with it. And we didn't necessarily know if they would want to raise more, you know, raise money for it because they're kind of doing their Broadway thing. But 
we talked with them about our plans for the show and our, you know, it's London and Australia and this big, this big kind of global takeover, we called it. And they came on board and we raised the money and made our production happen. So we had this great run off Broadway, um, uh, from September 22 through May of 23. So um, crazy. It was just the cool. I mean, we were literally on the same street as Hamilton, like a block away. We were literally yeah. on the same block as Gaten doing Sweeney Todd. That was the funny <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, so amazing. But, um, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was such a dream and, you know, had great, great response from audiences and, um, and, uh, and, and the funniest part of this, and I think why, why I wanted to kind of share the whole story is that, I ended up being a producer on it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and at the time I thought like, I don't have the ability to make this happen. I don't have the instincts. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I'm also the writer at the same time as a producer. Yeah. But what was great about the process is that I did realize that I love the producing side of it. You know, mm-hmm. I love, I loved the producing side because it allowed me to, to, um, well, so when you're a writer, you're thinking about your audience constantly, Right. And mm-hmm. producer, you're also thinking about your audience. And what's fun is uh, on both sides, you're thinking about the creative in the sense of like, how is this being received by the audience? Mm-hmm. It's like, who is receiving this? What do they need to know about the show in order for it to happen? You know, what what things are happening in the market at the same time? And how do we respond to that? And how do we kind of break through the noise? And so all of that was just really fun for me. And, um, and you know, I... I as part of my producing team sort of worked more in the marketing side um, or, well, I, I focused more on the marketing side than other people did. Um, but the marketing, the branding, the, the, um, the press, the, the just different things we did in the theater for audiences, so much of that was so exciting to me. And that really helped me discover, like, this is what I love doing is this producing mm. side. Cause it does like, you are the CEO of your own company. You are, mm for the ship you know you're you're the one who's seeing not just this production but like the future life of it and now you know stranger mm-hmm. things because we were able to keep it running in new york for so long and gain you know we had a couple different awards and, and nominations and stuff now the show has a, a, enough of a brand that we're breaking out into licensing and and now you That's know awesome. any theater any theater around the world can do it and we've got a production in spain coming up we have a production in brazil coming up I mean, it's just exploding. So it's like this tiny little thing was singing into my iPhone is now like five years <laughs> later, this global brand. And I, it, I don't even know how it happened, but mm-hmm. it just, it, it's sort of a testament to like just pushing forward and mm-hmm. figure things out. And some of it is just like luck and, you know, divine timing and, and all of that. But some of it is just like being bold enough to just keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like there's any way that you could even make it happen. So yeah. Anyway. What's also crazy about that is wow. that there's like all that time before and then the pandemic and then you like kept going. That's what's yeah. also crazy to me is that like, I don't know. I feel like obviously we could do a whole separate podcast on like life after theater after the pandemic <laughs> life of the theater, but because so much has changed and, and maybe not a lot has like has changed. It's kind of all, there's so much to talk about, but that, yeah, the, the, when I, when I hear you talking about that, it's like the persistence of like, just keep going. Like it's all, it's Dory. It's just keep swimming. It's all yeah. that. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like yeah. over here just on the floor yeah. amazed. Yeah. I feel it. I, I really like a lot of things that you said about, um, you didn't think that you were a writer and you didn't think you were going to be able to be a producer. And like, 
or like, you know, you were like, I don't know how to do this. What are you talking about? And then mm. you just started doing it. And I think for me, like as someone who grew up just being an audience member and also doing like, you know, children's theater, right? You forget that all of, a lot of these productions come together because people who were like, I don't know if I know how to do this, but I'm going to mm -hmm. do it anyway, did it. Yeah. And yeah. like, we don't, I don't think that outside of the theater industry that people like normal audience members understand what like the journey that you just talked about to get something off the ground and all of the players in it which is partly why we wanted to have this discussion like what do producers do but yeah. all of the players and all the pieces and how they're all related and i also think it's interesting right like your first what do you say four people who were going to orchestrate with you didn't work out <laughs> and you had to you just kept going though right you're mm -hmm. like i'm surely there's going to be someone who's going to be able to translate this with me and then you found a great partner in doing yep. that and yeah i i think that that's also something that i i find really beautiful about your journey but also about the theater world itself is that sometimes it really is about who's going to also say yeah this is crazy we're doing but we're doing it anyway like we're doing it together anyway well and it's in it what what i've learned from the whole journey too is like how much as, as a creative like how much of a, a show's journey is collaborative and it's like mm -hmm. obvious but it's it's not you know because it's like when you're a writer or something it feels like it's your thing your vision yeah. your mm -hmm. But it's like it's not at the end of the day, right? Like you wrote the words, you have the original concept, but then like a director comes and puts it to life, and actors put it yeah. to life. A set designer bring, brings new things mm -hmm. to it. Costume does, you know. I, I mean, there's just like so much, and and the producers too. Like the producers also make your show what it is, and and um, I so I I'm a um, uh, self-producing coach for the theater maker studio, so I have like a number of clients that work with cool. me. Um, we do, uh, they have all sorts of resources and we do weekly calls where they kind of talk through different issues going on at their shows. But what, what's exciting to me now as, as a creative who also produces is that I feel empowered when I write something to know that I actually can make it like happen in the world. And not to say like mm -hmm. one of my shows is ever going to get produced or that like it's easy to just like plop a show on stage now because it's not, it's very hard and you still have to convince people to come on board. But um, what's really empowering um, about knowing how to produce is that like it feels real, you know, and there's so many people around the around the country, around the world that have a play or a musical or an idea that they're just like and it might be the most brilliant thing that's ever existed, but they just don't know how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much of my journey was like doing the steps that I, I needed um, myself to get it in front of other people so that other people can come on board and help it make it a reality, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, because if I had just left it on my iPhone, it would never have happened, right? And yeah. and and that is kind of, I mean, even like in the acting world, like you are sort of your own, your own producer of your own brand yeah. until you suddenly have like a, an agent and yeah. people know who you are and they just ask you and call you for things, you know what I mean? But like mm -hmm. those things don't happen until you like take the initiative to put mm -hmm. yourself out there and to say, this is what I have to bring. Like, you know, who, who wants to come on board with me, you know? And, um, and so I love teaching uh, artists the business side and it mm -hmm. actually drives me insane that um, BFA and BA theater programs around the country don't teach the industry side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because it's really, I mean, obviously like not everyone's going to go into like producing or theater management or all of that stuff, but you need to know that you're entering into an ecosystem. You know, you need right. to know where right. you fit in that ecosystem. You need to know what everyone does. You know, it helps you negotiate in contracts. It helps you make sense of, you know, like production timelines. It helps you make sense of when you're in a show, like what's going on behind the scenes. Like it, like we all feed each other. And, and mm -hmm. it's like, I just, I, it, it's, so, I just keep coming back. It's just so empowering when you're mm -hmm. an artist that knows how the whole thing works. Um, because then you can well, really, especially when if Broadway is your ultimate end goal and, but then you, if you're somewhere else in New York feels so far away, like mm -hmm. it just, I'm sure like that, if you're like, if you don't know anything about the business side, it's like, and you only know about why well, I'm just going to go and audition. Then, well, yeah. 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 Well, also we talked about accessibility right before right. we started recording. Right. But this idea that if people don't, if, if people who are studying theater, you know, in undergraduate and, th and that's what they want to study for whatever reason, but they feel that they're like, they feel that they don't know how to take what they're doing and translate it into any kind of space in the industry. Like that's a misservice. And it, me it means that theater is not accessible to a lot of those people. And I can imagine what you're saying, right? Like if you kept all your thoughts just on your iPhone and showed your friends and none of your friends also felt like they knew how to do anything with it. Um, it would be a really cool story and mm. something that you and your friends would have made, but no one else would have seen it. Right. Um, mm. And the idea of accessibility when you don't like physically live in New York or if you haven't had the education or like know someone who's in the industry, I think that that's really hard. So I like what you're saying about we should educate all of the people who are thinking about theater as their or performing arts as their mm. What they're going to end out of college with right we should give them a lot of these tools and then they get to decide how and if to use them but to not tell them is kind of like making it harder for ultimately what they might want to do well and there's and and absolutely because the other thing is there's just a lot of misconceptions about how things work too mm -hmm. and don't yeah. eat those then they become the reality that people believe for a long time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like for example like if you don't live in new york city like there's a lot of fantasies and misconceptions about living in New York City that keeps people from moving there, you know. Right, right. There also are some that have people moving there and burning out quickly. But like, you know, like I didn't ever think I'd live in New York City, and then I happened to make the leap because I had a job that got me housing, and I probably don't know if I ever would have moved here if I didn't have that because mm -hmm. it just it sounded too scary to do it, and it seemed too impossible. Yeah. Like, you know, in undergrad ten years ago, I never ever ever would have thought I'd be mm -hmm. doing doing now mm -hmm. and i'm so glad i did because now i can tell other people like you can do this you know <laughs> like this is not like yeah. impossible for you to move to new york and make it in this industry um but the other thing too is like yeah there's like uh, as a producer like i i i want people to know what producers do because i feel like so many people just think producers are like money you know money, money hungry like don't care about the art like abuse yeah. artists and like all of that is real. Like there are producers who are like that and it sucks. And I think the industry is starting to figure out who those name, people are. Name, names, name. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you can Google people. There's people out there. Yeah. But like the thing that's interesting, like I didn't know this and most people don't, is that producers don't make money on shows until the show recoups its full investment. Right. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm a producer on How to Dance in Ohio, but I'm not getting a paycheck from that show right now, you know? Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, until the show recoups its investment, and then you know, then there's there's some some profit share there. But like, that's that's very different from the misconception that like producers are like making all this money while the artists make nothing. Like that's not right. true. Right. You know? um, yeah. And, it's not that it David Zaslav of HBO getting billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, listen, film industry is a very different thing. I don't yeah, know how. True, true. That's insane. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, like, so uh, anyway, that, that's my yeah. No, I'm, I love that, though. And I want to just one other point I'm thinking about is the not just the accessibility, but when you teach people what the full industry is, you also allow for Right. And what you're saying of like, you can move to New York and you can do this. And it's not as crazy. Like when you when Mm -hmm. you allow people to see the steps and tell them like it can happen, then Mm -hmm. it's easier for them to take that. And then also our the type of theater, the type of content, the diversity of the people who are producing, who are going to be directing, who are in the industry, who are creating that content is so much more representative of who is actually uh, interested in theater versus just the people who've had access to do those things. And I think Mm -hmm. like, I really think that that's a really powerful part. And I, yeah, I just love what you're saying about your passion about that. So, yeah. 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 We're going to talk about how to dance in Ohio. And I think this is a good transition. I want to give Rachel like two minutes on her little soapbox about seeing the show and loving it. I have not had a chance to see the show yet, but I cannot wait to one day see it. But Rachel, talk about your experience of watching the show. And then Jonathan, tell us how you after came to produce it. So um, I was in New York for Thanksgiving with my parents and we love theater both of my parents my mom has seen more theater than I have um which makes sense but she was like the resident yeah, person who just was- to pause we recently found out that her mom saw the original cast of the original Rent cast and like of Rent. randomly oh, told us and we were like why, why are you holding out on us yeah, yeah. Like, how have I gone 27 years of my life without knowing this she's like well I just I just told you I'd saw Rent I was like well not the original cast anyway so my mom she uh yeah loves theater she grew up in new york so it was just her thing and people when they came to new york she would go with them to the theater but the point being i always enter the lottery every time i am up there just to like see if i can get a ticket to a show and i have won every single time which is (laughs) something insane i don't i once again think it's divine um but uh, we won tickets to How to Dance in Ohio for the matinee show before it opened. Um, so Thanksgiving weekend, and we won two tickets. And my dad said, "I but I really want to go. So we actually bought a ticket for my dad. And then we went and we sat in um, the matinee show. And my parents had like known a little bit about the show because we read a blurb about it, you know. And obviously the day before we had seen the performance for, on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, but... I, both of my parents uh, really have a relationship with um, people with autism. My sister uh, worked with kids with autism for her entire career until relatively recently. So we all have some kind of experience with that. Um, But the show itself was so amazing. Uh, We were excited to go, obviously, but I sat down and the announcement at the very beginning, which is just so lovely about what you're about to experience and like all the actors coming on stage telling us who they are and what they're going to represent. And then also like what, what is going to happen and how you can prepare yourself or where you might need to go just in case you are not comfortable during the show was 
not there's not a better way to open a show is my thought process it was the t of authenticity of what the actual storyline of the show is also trying to talk about and it wasn't performative and it was just so beautiful um and then the rest of the show was amazing uh i know that a few days prior there there was issues with the um with the, the turntable the turntable <laughs> and there were no issues at my my run it was awesome <laughs> everything was amazing i walked out from the show well at intermission my parents and i were like oh my gosh this is amazing this is so great why are there not more people here like we we need to tell everyone and then also of course at the very end of the show i I just knew that there was going to be one song in particular building momentum that I was like, this is going to be my, this is going to be on my Spotify wrapped. I'm sure because I can't stop <laughs> listening to it because I, it's just like an earworm, but also where it's placed in the actual show and being able to see the visual of that and now have the song was so beautiful. It's an amazing show. And I also saw some people in the back with their, who must be on the team, the director team or the producing team taking notes. Because yep. it was still before we opened. So um, that's also really cool. I love that. I'm like, I love that they're going to get notes after this. And then they're going to do it again tonight. Yeah. And um, yeah, and everyone was obviously so talented. But the space that that show holds was so gorgeous. And nothing I've ever actually experienced in theater in New York. Like other places have tried to hold a space like that, I think, in local theater, because it's a little bit easier to mm -hmm. do that. But to have a Broadway show hold that space was just, it was so lovely. So. Oh, I love, that's the best review. I'm, I'm <laughs> thrilled to go that, really. So that's tell what I was like. Yeah, hey, tell her, yeah, I know. She, yeah, yeah. We were just, she texted <laughs> me and was like, oh my gosh, the show. And I was like, I know someone. You have to tell go us, see it. Yeah. yeah. Tell us your journey with that, with How to Dance in Ohio. Yeah, it's uh, it's been such a cool journey with that show. I I um I actually came on board sort of late in the process. I I saw um so the the way producers the producers on Broadway or pr the producing structure on Broadway works is um there are generally a couple of lead producers that are sort of like the heads of the producing team. Um, they're the, the ones who usually are there since the very beginning. They probably had the rights themselves to do the show. They worked through all the workshops and all the presentations and the out of town tryouts and all that stuff. And then when a show comes to Broadway, um, sometimes, sometimes before, but usually when it comes to Broadway, they bring on co-producers, which is really where they've got a lot of money to raise and they need people to come on board and kind of take small chunks of that. So that's, that's where I came in as a co-producer. So I'm not a lead producer in the sense that mm -hmm. I have been with it since the beginning, but I have come on kind of in the, in the last year um, in its kind of journey to Broadway, which has been really special. So, um, so the lead producers on, on Ohio are uh, Fiona Rudin, um, Sammy Lopez and uh, Ben Holtzman, who are just like the most generous, incredible, um, open-minded people that could be leading to, I think Ben and Sammy, this is the Broadway debut as well, which is incredible, but wow. um, so but with, many Broadway debuts for that show. I know. And myself it's, included. I mean, it's uh, really, it's, it's very surreal. And, and it, what I love is you keep using the word holding space and that's been the entire, like, like mission of the show, not only like on stage, but off stage as well. Like the, the hiring of like, people on the spectrum in so many different positions, not just the actors, but, but yeah. 
backstage and consultants and all of that, but also in the producing side, because to be a first time co-producer on Broadway is really hard to break in because you have to sort of part of being a co-producer is being able to like find the money. Right. And when you're a big, big Broadway producer, that's got a giant, you know, Rolodex of hundreds of people that all have money and are ready to put it into a, a cool show these new producers that may not have that Rolodex or maybe, you know, wanting the opportunity to try, but don't know who they're going to get or if they're going to be able to make their, their raise, it, it takes them longer. And it's sometimes hard for them to even like stay in a show. So, um, so this show has been incredible in the sense that the, the three lead producers have really tried to make space for new producers to come on board and, and raise, including myself, which I'm so grateful for. So, um, so I saw the show uh, uh, back in, March of last year, they did a like an open like rehearsal presentation um, in in New York. Um, they had done a run of it at Syracuse Stage in Syracuse, New York, mm -hmm. and then they brought it to New York and did like a full staging, like full band in a rehearsal room with like minimal sets and props and whatnot. And I just loved it. I mean, I I um, you know have a family member on the spectrum. I um, I sort of. Uh, understood a lot of what the show was trying to say about um, sort of the more universal aspects of like how awkward it is to become an adult and all the challenges, yeah. you know, on top yeah. of like how that experience is for people on the spectrum. And, um, and I thought the music was so interesting and exciting and the cast was so charming. And I was just like, this is really special. Um, and so then a couple months later, when I had the opportunity to raise for it, I was, um, you know, a little scared because this is my first time <laughs> raising for a Broadway show, but I thought like, this is like, like if I'm gonna make a career of producing, I want it to be on shows that I truly care about because so mm -hmm. much of raising money for a show is you have to sell it. <laughs> yeah. You have to be real yeah. about it. If you aren't real about it, like people will see right through it. And like, I just became the biggest cheerleader for the show. Um, I loved what it stood for. I loved it artistically. I loved that, you know, the, the producers had been really smart about the financial structure of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it also, I, I actually, I kept pulling back to, um, like come from away and Dear Evan Hansen as examples of shows that are very mm -hmm. similar to this in yeah. the sense that their original concepts, um, or mostly original concepts, um, uh, not featuring real like celebrities, um, and, um, are, are like, they make you feel good, you know, or they, they, they're cathartic. Um, and so that's, that's been kind of my like touch point with a lot of people as I was bringing on investors that like, this could be the next come from away the next year of enhance and that kind of thing because of just mm. the spirit of it. Um, so yeah, so it's just been really special and it's fun. The, the preview process was, was really interesting for the show because, um, obviously it had gone through a bunch of revisions since the Syracuse production and since the workshop production and the, the creatives and the lead producers are just so involved in trying to make sure they find the right version of the story. Um, a fun fact about the show actually is that Hal Prince, the like sort of legendary, yeah. mm -hmm. this was his last project he worked on before he passed away yeah. in 2019, I think. And, um, and so, uh, it's cool. Cause you know, there's, there's like, you know, notes like that he added on like early drafts and stuff. And he was just so in love with the show, wow. just really yeah. wanted to succeed. And so you can feel his spirit in this show, but um, you know, one of the, the things that I think they were trying to figure out throughout the preview process was um, there's the seven, the, the seven um, autistic um, lead actors, 
um, which we follow each of their journeys throughout the show. And I think those mm-hmm. stories were generally pretty clear um, and audiences were very endeared to them. They come out on stage right at the beginning and say, we're going to do a show for you. And it's, a, you know, all of these things. Um, but the thing that's interesting about the show is that the the um, the non-autistic characters, the the, the parents, the um, the uh, the Amigo family who run the mm-hmm. count the clinic, um, their stories and how they integrate into the the main plot lines were sort of less defined. And so there was a lot of experimentation in that area throughout the preview process, um, because really what they represent is, that the show is not just about what it's like to be autistic, but it's about what it's like to be an adult and all the awkwardness of like trying to figure out who you are. And like, that's what I love so much about the show is like, it's the parents have such a journey in the show too. You know, they have one of my favorite songs in the show is the two moms who sing about daughters getting ready for the dance and how much they like wanted their kids to have the same experience that they did. And and it's just, you know, and then there's another one of the dads who's a a single father, who's the, you know, the Mm. mother passed away and he's just trying to figure out how to, how to like take care of his daughter in the world and Mm. find himself again. And so it's just a really beautiful universal story. And I think that's been interesting now in trying to like continue to build the audience for this is to Mm. tell people, this is not just a musical about autism. It's a musical about about all of us, you know, and it's, and it's full and it's uplifting and it's not heavy. I mean, there are certainly heavy moments and like, like things that feel like you, you really feel it. Um, but it's, it's, it's uplifting and it's inclusive and it's, and it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I I have to credit, um, the, the lead producing team and, and Sammy Candle, the director for saying this, but, um, but there was an interview where Sammy, the director, um, talks about uh, the concept of advocacy for this community. And, you know, (laughs) advocacy can feel like, you know, marching in the streets and posting these long rants on social media. Mm. Um, But this, this show is advocacy in a way that is, that is completely Mm -hmm. in its head. You know, you go into the show, you might not know anything about the autistic community. You might not know anything about, you know, sort of the accessibility challenges and all of these things. And you come out of it not saying, wow, I just saw a really good piece of advocacy, but I come out of it saying, I just saw a really good piece of storytelling that did the exact same effect without trying to like, you know, yell at you for like, there's no shame. There's no, there's any of that, you know, it's just, and that's the power of what storytelling can do. And what I care about as a producer is being part of things Mm -hmm. that are like speaking to people and they're saying things to people. And it's like, this is theater is where people come in and they put their guard down and they say, I want to be moved by a story. That's when you talk to people, you know, like, Mm. that's why like overly preachy or overly like heavy messaging like in 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 storytelling can feel like you know people put their guards up again because Mm. yeah it's a genuine story about real people like that's when people receive you know Mm -hmm. like like we're not to get like overly political (laughs) now but like you know we're in a very tense time in our culture and think that the arts are like one of the only ways where we can really get people to like put their guards down and see each other for like mm-hmm. who we are as humans, you know? And so, yeah, anyway, that's, no, I no, no, show. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Taylor and I talk about this because I have a similar feeling mm-hmm. about, well, I think Taylor does too, but about what the power of being in it, in a theater, like in the space as an audience member and like holding the story or, or any kind of story 
Um, and I think joke, this medium in particular too, like yes. this, yes. like, like theater this in of, general. Like yes. we were talking about film before we were recording TV, but like theater I in mean, general, like, like sitting theater. in a live theater and like experiencing yeah. that yeah. is. And I yeah. and I think um, Taylor and I have a joke of like, well, people really just want to be entertained and then go home after 90 minutes, yeah. which is like kind of true because we're our TikTok brains are mm -hmm. like after 30 seconds, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I also think that people want to be moved, like you're saying, mm -hmm. but also still when they walk away, instead of being like, oh, wow, let me have some self-reflective moments. They instead want to be they want to walk away and they want to say that was like really fun also and like really yeah. joyful. And I feel now I feel good. I had the dopamine hit that I needed yeah. um, mm -hmm. and was present with other people. And the the coolest thing, I think, as an audience member for any theater, live theater is other audience members reacting to what's happening on stage. It mm -hmm. is a collective experience that I literally don't think I get anywhere else unless you're riding public transit. Yeah. Like you, and, and we're all there for a reason. Like we want to be there, yeah. which is so weird. And we don't care if, you know, the person next to us really is someone we would ever, ever talk to mm -hmm. in real life. It is like the one space where we're all there, willing participants to listen. Like we don't, we're not talking. <laughs> it's so weird it's crazy and yeah. i think that that allows that allows for something that ca so magical can happen but i do think we're i think that there has been a struggle in my opinion between like what's happening in theater uh and like storylines and then like the desire to have things be either overly entertaining um or like super or, like dark and right. very or heavy. Sub a message. And like, yeah. And like I yeah. think like you were saying, and this and this does that for me, right? It is that mm -hmm. space in between where, of course, there was a moment where everyone was like, ooh, right? Like when they said something on stage and we were like, Oh, this is us. We do this. We are the bat. Like we we do that. But then that wasn't what I left feeling, right? I left feeling like very excited that that was such a beautiful show and I felt joyful and I was like I want to sit down and see it again like I was really sad that I couldn't go back to the evening performance well and I, I'm glad you mentioned this too because what was interesting with the show is that if you've seen the documentary the documentary mm -hmm. that it's based on is also very joyful like it ends with the prom and all of that but there is like a like a um a little bit more of like an inherent like kind of weight to it in the sense that you're like really watching like how difficult like these these lives yeah. are in terms of like the families and trying to make sure that these these young adults are able to find themselves in the world and you know i mean it's it's and and what was really neat about this show is that the writers and the producers worked like incredibly close with the actual people from the the um, documentary, like all of the participants in the clinic and all of that, they did a town hall with them and asked them like, what's important to you when we write this musical? And the, the, a lot of the, the characters that are, you know, the people that the characters are based on were saying things like, we want you to be able to like write us like with aspirations, with, with things mm -hmm. that we're pursuing. Like, we don't want you to just like put us on stage as like people who are like destined to not achieve the things that we want or, or, you know, like, and it's, it's really incredible that the show could have gone a direction where it's like, this is heavy and this is weighty and look how hard mm -hmm. it is and all of that. And, um, and it would have, you know, it, like it would have absolutely been a take on the show and it probably could have run on Broadway in the same way. And uh, cause obviously there are heavy musicals that also get an audience and, right. and this also could have been so light and fluffy that it doesn't have any sort of substance, you know, right. <laughs> show was yeah. able to find is like like you can 
it it really does like it's it comes back to like you know what I'm saying about like empowerment you know like it's mm. it's just like helping people like become like more than just the way that you've seen them in all these other mediums um I mean this yeah. community has had very little representation or good re- representation in media I mean like you know uh I'm trying to think of movies like um like there's, there's that TV show as we as or, you know as I mean? you see it as you see it I think it's called or as we see yeah. it on Amazon it's a good t- it's re- very well done TV show and then there's like Love on the Spectrum on Netflix yeah but like yeah but there's not much yeah yeah. Not yeah. Much. yeah and yeah, and that's from the last like three yeah. years so right. yeah so it's cool and it, and it's great because the show we're also we also have like accessibility opportunities for audience members like the whole show is like sensory friendly in terms of like the sound levels so it's not overwhelming mm. lights the same way there's spaces in the Incredible. theater for people who are overwhelmed to kind of go cool down they call them cool down spaces and they tell mm-hmm. you where they are in the show and in the program um, I mean, it's just, it's the, uh, and I don't know how much of this people are going to pick up on moving into other shows. I hope that they do. Mm-hmm. And these, these things yeah. become common, but, um, like theater development fund does, um, sensory friendly performances of like Lion King and I think Wicked yeah. or like major shows, but they only do those like twice a year right. and it's mm-hmm. the same show, but they just like kind of lower the light, you know, they have the house lights up a little more, the sound levels are lower. Like they kind of like all of that, but you know, to have a show where the whole thing is is basically like that every night is is remarkable. So anyway, yeah. it's very special. It's amazing, and it the authentic. I think that goes back to like ac- integrity and authenticity of like the story and what you're actually doing. Right, the storyline mm-hmm. is saying one thing, and then the way that you're saying it is in the same space of authenticity and integrity. And I, it, you yeah. felt it, or I felt it as an audience member. It was very. That's why it was. It was partly that's a reason why it's so beautiful also. Yeah. So, and intentionality. Yeah. It's all about like being oh, intentional yeah. about like, yeah. what you're doing. And even you hear talking about the lights and the sensor sensory and all of that, like that's all intent being intentional about your audience and, and who's in the mm-hmm. show and all of that. So, well, and the whole show could have been like a complete miss if the, if the creatives didn't involve autistic voices in the show, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. could have a whole show that was trying to do mm-hmm. something and then you don't put, you know, actors on the spectrum in these mm-hmm. roles. Like it could have, you yeah. could have completely missed the boat and they've just thought through everything. And, and unfortunately and, there is a world where that could have happened. Right. Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, you know, thankfully the, they, the right, you know, the right lead producers have worked and the right creatives have worked on this to make sure that that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen. So it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, it's such a great show. So we're yeah. excited to see its life. Like how it goes. Keep, yeah. How it goes. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited about it. We just did an episode on cast recordings and we're excited to see like more of Hopefully how to do yeah. I I think you'll be very surprised and pleased uh, <laughs> when that comes. So yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've taken up too much of your time, but I do want to say, I do want to, um, ask too, like what, what is there besides how to dance in Ohio, of course, but like, what's next for you? Like, do you have anything, anything you can share on the pipeline? Yeah, I'm still kind of figuring out what my next things are. I mean, Stranger Things has really been, you know, we're breaking in the licensing. I think, you know, there's other stuff with that as well. That'll be fun. But, um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still writing. Uh, it's hard to like find time for writing these days, but sure. I have projects that I want to write. Both, both, you know, I have a Friday the Thirteenth parody musical that I have a draft of that's very fun. and silly, and um, so we'll see if that, you know, what what next steps are for that. Um, I have a, a, a more a straight play drama um, based on some mission mission work, international mission work I did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's currently a finalist in the contest. We'll see what happens with that, but wow. I feel out Exciting. what steps to be for that. And then, um, I'm producing a, a very, uh, kind of off the wall new musical called, uh, Gollum owned a tropical smoothie. It's like Gollum <laughs> from Lord of the Rings and it's <laughs> good friends of mine who wrote this. They're, they, they, they're in the show. They play the Gollum puppet. It's like a puppet, the, the two-man puppet that they use. And I you're, love You're speaking Rachel's language. <laughs> you're speaking Rachel's language, yeah. It's a great show. I've been working with them on it for about a year, something like that, a couple months. Anyway, um, and we're looking to do a run of it off-Broadway in the next couple, in the next year. Um, but it's a it's a great show. It's it's uh, it's very funny. It's very off the wall. It, it actually... Um, has a lot of heart to it as well. It's mm-hmm. it's like kind of about um, these three uh, young adults in Panama City Beach, Florida, that are kind of trying to find themselves, and Gollum is their boss, and it's just That's kind so of like amazing. it's sort of like trying to you know make sense in make sense of like. Um, you know, a world that doesn't make sense. And it has kind of this, this profundity that's very like subversive and surprising. And the music is really good. And anyway, I, it's one of those shows that I, I was sort of surprised by how much it had to say. And so I'm excited to see what life that show has. And it's very, wow. you know, again, coming back to producing being creative, I'm like, we're all trying to figure out what the right path is for this show because you could, you, you know, you could take it one direction and it completely misses the right audience or you could, you know, go too big too quick and it burns out so it's it's very much a a lot of producing is just like trying to guess based on things you know and things you don't know you just have to predict or decide that you think that's what it's going to be and so um Mm -hmm. so yeah lots of stuff in the pipeline i also work full-time sounds amazing yeah i well i also work full-time for a, a broadway general management office that runs a couple of different shows so that's kind of my day job and you know working like very close on a couple different shows um not ohio but other ones and um so that's been fun and uh and trying to finish columbia too so yeah you're not busy at all you're scheduling <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. oh my god wonder do you sleep we're a week uh. we're a week into the new year and i'm already ready for vacation but anyway. <laughs> it, yeah it'll be fine it'll be fine amazing awesome. wow well that's how all of those things sound amazing even though very busy <laughs> It's good busy. It's good busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I know that we took a lot of your time, but I do have one question that about advice. Like what would you what kind of advice would you give to people who are interested in learn like where do you start, right? Like that's one of the things we talked about, like accessibility to even knowing that you need a general manager, like what a producer yeah. is, like all of these misconceptions. Where does one start? What where does one little theater nerd somewhere in Ohio who's maybe listening to this podcast where what do they do now yeah I, I it's it's truly just like the the biggest thing that I I always say is just like find any opportunity you can to learn more um and I think there's different ways you can do that obviously if you have any sort of connections or relationships in in the industry or in theater where you can just say hey can I get coffee and pick your brain like that's always great um 
there's a number of different online programs that teach artists um, like the the business skills of like self-producing or or stuff like, or or producing in general. Um, you know, Theater Maker Studio I work for is a great membership where you can pay like a monthly fee and you get all these resources and master classes and stuff that can kind of teach you these things. Um, the coaching program that I do is a little bit higher end where it's a little bit more hands-on. It's a little pricier, but um, but also great because there's just more kind of individual attention that's that's helpful there. Um, there's lots of great books like you could pick up. Um, I'm trying to think which ones I love. Like I want to be a producer. There's a book called Hi, I Want to Be a Producer, and I can't remember what <laughs> just the name of this podcast. That's, think, awesome, but, yeah. um, that's a great book. I can't remember who wrote it, but look it up on Amazon. Um, that has just like really like kind of breaks down the whole process of things. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. And I really just think, again, like learning is empowerment. Like that's mm. just that's the biggest mm. thing I tell everyone is like, like you just don't, you don't know what you don't know until you like take time to really dig into it. And then it just like opens up the whole world for you in a way that like demystifies so much of, of, of what it takes to break in. So, yeah. I love oh, that. I love oh that. My gosh. Learning is empowerment. I like want that tattooed on me or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Um, and because, yeah. yeah, learning. Yeah. We, for that's why I think honestly, that's why we started the podcast, not just because we like to talk to each other, which is part of it, right. but we were like, you know, we have things we want to learn about theater mm-hmm. um, that we think like mm-hmm. that we want to continue to know more. And this is a great excuse to be able to like dive into that and yeah. then also try to give it to people who didn't know if they actually wanted to know the information or like have been adjacent to theater or know that they like going to see a show, but are like, I would never qualify myself similar to what you said as a writer, as all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's just because they've not experienced it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. For sure. Well, we do this segment on the show. We told you this um, when we sent you some questions, Jonathan, about, uh, of our character of the week, we do it like we pick a theater character that we're feeling like what their vibes are. Do you have any characters this week that you you are right now? Oh man, I knew I was gonna have to think about this, and I totally have not. Um, it's okay if you don't. Okay, I also yeah. one week I was the Wells Fargo wagon, so it doesn't have to be like a person yeah. necessarily. I mean, honestly, I just feel like. Uh, <laughs> uh maybe i'll say i'm the the piragua guy from in the heights because i feel like <laughs> just like hustling in the streets here with my like silly mm-hmm. uh silly projects here so and again I'm... rounding out the episode with the lin-manuel miranda <laughs> character yeah that's good yeah. That's, so there, awesome. that's good right. so. yeah yeah we're yeah. rounding it out here uh again lin come on the show we'd love you we'd love to have you uh Jonathan, thank you so thank much. You. Of course. We so appreciate it. Everyone go if you're in New York. Enter the lottery or buy tickets to go see How to Dance in yes. Ohio. Please do. Um, or just take or just take Rachel with you because she will win every lottery. <laughs> <laughs> that is imaginable. It is crazy, Jonathan. I'm not even telling you she wins the lottery every time. It is crazy. Listen, can you help me win the Merrily We Roll Along lottery? <laughs> Rachel no, she, she actually bought that. tickets to that. Every day. I, I, I had that. to buy tickets for that. Yeah, the, the thing is that I don't always win the show that I, like, I, I put in for all the shows, and that's partly why I always win. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm. it's kind of like roulette. I'm like, 
or like I guess it's like a tarot reading. I'm like I'm waiting for the universe to tell me what show mm -hmm. I need to go see. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I put in for all of them, and then whatever I get, I'm like, and then I always win. And I think it's I think right. it's that I think you can't want it too bad. I think you can't want a specific show too bad. Yeah. Like you need to go in with like. I want to see the show that I'm supposed to see. Yeah. And then it happens for you. <laughs> That's, great. That's good advice right there. So. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, thank you again. We appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. And uh, yeah, everyone check out Stranger Things too. Wonderful. Yes, please do. I'm coming to a, a theater near you if you are so interested. So. Yeah. Mm, That's awesome. It. Licensing and everything. <laughs> All right, Rachel, let's talk about our character of the week. Let's week. do it. That's Rachel. We're turning this her. into, this is me my doing Ooh. my cheerleader. Because I like just can't get around it sounding like a cheerleader. So it's fine. But yeah, bring it on every week. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. I am bringing it on every week. This is the time uh, where we explore what we've been up to, how we've been feeling, and then we scour the theater universe to look for theater characters or things that are similar that have the same thoughts, feelings, vibes. Love it. We would also love to hear your thoughts on all of the buzz this week, all the casting choices that are being made. <laughs> Lots of choices. Yeah. The yes. new Sarah Bareilles, um, musical John Locke being in Sweeney Todd on on Broadway. <laughs> um, but also, listen, if you guys have producing questions, send us them, and we will try and get Jonathan or someone else to help us answer them. Um, <laughs> we would do our best. Um, yeah. We also are gonna link. I believe we'll say that we said this, but we're gonna link a lot of the references and things that he referenced in the show notes below. If you guys want to check them out, of course, comment on our social media pages. Tell us who your character is this week, and we will shout you out. We have not done that before, but it will happen one day. <laughs> one day, it might be my one mother, but it'll happen. Yes. Yes, please. We we will we will shout you guys out. We love our audience. Um, Rachel, who is your character this week? You know, this week I've just been once again all over the place. But I've been kind of following the vibe of other people. Like I've just, but like their vibes are shifting, mm -hmm. and so I'm not sure what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me, like Doctor of... Strange. <laughs> sure. Yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> but but th that reminds me of this one person who kind of gets left out of this musical and or really the storyline a lot um, because his sister has this like really amazing musical number because she is being drawn into a new direction of life and he is going to lose out and he's kind of sad about it and he has his own little moment where he's like wait but if you're not here saying to one bully and i know it's not i know it's not who you're, you're not thinking, here to bully me or do things then how am how am i to be mm -hmm. and that reminds me of how i'm feeling this week so this week i'm pugsley from the adams family music oh okay 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 amazing <laughs> amazing oh amazing. my gosh my brain was like connor murphy from Darren Hansen. <laughs> I was like, we're going real dark here. Wow. I was like, yeah. she does have her own number. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. That's so great. I love Pugsley. What yeah, she me too. Never tortures See? me. Tortures me. Yeah. I know. Uh, 
crying. So good. Who are you, so Taylor? Good. Who are you this week? What are you feeling? Yeah. Well, I am coinciding this with a play I went and saw last night. I went and saw To Kill a Mockingbird, the national tour starring Richard Thomas, if people didn't know that he's playing Atticus Finch. Like I told Rachel before we were recording, maybe the only character I've seen that has gotten an applause line without even saying anything. Not and not for the actor, for the character. Just mm-hmm. insane. Because yeah. uh, I feel like most applause breaks are more for the char- the actor than the character. Yes. I mean, like yeah. when they come on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wild. Um, and maybe people were applauding for Richard Thomas, but I feel like do, do people not know who that Richard many Thomas people. is? Like, I know. Like it's not Jeff Daniels who played him on Broadway. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just wild. Um, also from sorry, side note, Aaron Sorkin wrote this play, and from the behind, like there were multiple times where I was like, wow, Richard Thomas looks like Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> um, it's very strange. Uh, anyway, so my car- this week I've been feeling like I've been doing lots of adult things, like mm-hmm. obviously taking care of my child, taking care of my dog, taking care of my wife, important. who very important. You know, fun fun story. She dropped a door on her foot and could not come with me to the play. So there's that. I had to go back. It's okay. Um, <laughs> not to mention your wife and, had the door knock. Yeah, on her. It's foot. true. It's true. Yes, that is true. Uh, she's okay. I just want to put that out there. She's doing yeah, great. Thank Thanks you. for the, yeah. the love and support. <laughs> um, and so lots of adult things, but also I feel like I've been doing, you know, lots of child things like playing, you know, playing with my baby on the floor. So much fun. Watching so cartoons, do, doing lots of cartoon watching at my job, but also um, in real life. And so this makes me think of a character from, I mean, there's really three of them, but I, I'm just going to single out one of them, who's the main character. And that's Scout Finch, uh-huh. because she, the entire play, she's like, she's there's so much adult stuff happening around her, but mm-hmm. she's still a kid, and she's learning to figure out all these adult things as a kid. And that's kind of how I'm feeling this week. So I love that. Oh, yeah. that's cute, Tay. And you get Thanks. to wear cute overalls. So I love it. Yeah, I'm going to wear them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow. I actually tomorrow have always wanted day. overalls, but I need to I need to find a pair that Soon, look at because I, I coming like they're they're specific piece of piece of clothing. They are a specific. Um, if you, yeah. If you guys would like to join in on our discussion, check us About out. About overalls. Yeah, yeah. Theater, overalls and musical. TheaterNerdPod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and threads at TheaterNerdPod and on Facebook at TheaterNerdPodcast. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye.